how can you believe in a God who doesn't speak? How can you believe in a God you never hear from? That was the question that I asked Pastor Jim Noble 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. I was uh, um, a, a, a non-believer. I had, uh, I had uh, been raised in the church, but over the course of uh, years of non-attendance, beginning in college, I had uh, become not simply um, a, a not, not someone who, who didn't believe, but I became someone who disbelieved. And uh, due to some, uh, and I spent 10 years that way, and due to some circumstances in my life, um, I decided it was time to investigate the, the, the claims of Christianity, and I went to the church my wife attended, and I talked to Pastor Jim Noble. And I asked him, I don't understand how you can believe in a God you never hear from. Um, in the Bible, God speaks. There's thunder and lightning. There's, there's smoke and fire. God is speaking in the Bible. But I don't know anyone who's ever experienced that. I've never experienced it. Have you ever experienced it? He said, no. And, and I said, well, yeah, I, I know a lot of people who are Christians, and none of them have ever seen that. So how can you believe in that God? Now, to be honest, I was talking kind of not really so much from having read the Bible, what, what I was really coming from, I mean, I, I had been exposed to the Bible, I'd read parts of it, and, and I didn't have a clear understanding of what the Bible said, but I, I had seen the Ten Commandments. It was on TV every spring, and, and so I had seen it, and I know what, what God is like. He talks. There's fire and lightning and so forth, and he's got a very deep voice, and, and that's what God is like, and so I knew that. And so I was thinking, why doesn't God do that? Why don't we have the special effects every time God talks? Otherwise, it's just a book, and I don't understand how you can how you can trust a book, because people could write anything in a book. I wanted I wanted some kind of an evidence. I wanted some kind of tangible evidence. I, the the other thing, you know, besides the Ten Commandments, there was a movie. Uh, some of you have seen. I don't want to spoil it, but there's this one scene where in in the Wizard of Oz, the uh, the Wicked Witch of the West flies over over the Emerald City, and she buzzes she buzzes the town and writes up in the sky. She writes, "Surrender, Dorothy." And I want to know. Why can't God do that? Why can't God write with letters in the sky? Why can't God make what he's got to say apparent to us? Because, you know, I have questions. I wanted to know, first of all, where are you and, and who are you? I, I, I had questions, but I've continued to have questions of God. And my guess is that I'm not alone. Uh, if Jesus were in the fellowship hall after after our service today, and he was sitting at one of the tables. My guess is there'd be a line, right? A lot of us have got <laughs> a lot of us have got questions, right? We want to know, you know, Jesus. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about this job offer I've got, and I'm trying to decide: should I stick with my current job or should I take the new job? Uh, we might say, um, uh, Jesus, uh, the question I've got for you is: is he the right one or or should i marry her we have questions deep questions we want to know how does god speak into this situation what is what is god's input to this situation um uh we're, we're at the doctor's office and the doctor gives us a, a whole uh, discussion with percentages and 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 medications and time frames and we want someone to cut through the cha- cut cut to the chase to cut through the fog and tell us will we make it we want to know. We have questions. And so, so if Jesus were over at the, the uh, CE building after the service, my guess is that we'd, we'd want to, to hear what he's got to say on a whole host of things. Uh, what am I going to do with my finances? What about my health? 
What about my relationships? We'd have questions like that. And if you have got questions like that, if you've ever had questions like that, one of the great things about our lesson today, the lesson of the transfiguration, is it tells us how we can hear from God. It tells us how we can hear what God is saying. And and the story begins six days later. And we have to go back and find out six days later, six days after what? What happened six days ago? Well, if you go back to chapter 16, what you see is uh, Jesus had had talked to the disciples and begun telling them, it, it says, Jesus began telling them that the, uh, my sticky note, Jesus began to show his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders, chief priests and, be, and scribes, and be killed and on the third day be, be raised. And they're thinking, that doesn't make any sense to me. I cannot figure that out. I've been hanging out with Jesus for a couple of years. I've seen him do amazing things. There's no question in my mind that Jesus is a holy man who has come from God. He has got a direct line to the guy in the sky. And I cannot puzzle out then how he would be killed and how how he would even be betrayed. But if he were betrayed, I cannot figure out why he would be killed. And so they're thinking, all right, well, clearly Jesus understands God better than I do, but I wonder if maybe he just kind of missed something, that he wasn't tuned in and he got part of the message wrong. And and they're thinking, it would be great if we could hear directly from God on this subject, because I'm not sure if Jesus got this one thing right. Clearly, he's got a lot right, but this one thing I'm puzzling, I'd like to hear from God on this, but you know uh, that that hardly ever happens. It happens in the scriptures, but... But it doesn't happen very often. So that's the position they're in. They're wishing they could hear directly from God. And and we can sympathize with, with Peter because there's things in our lives and we say, well, I thought that I was okay with God or I thought that God didn't like this or whatever. And then we don't get the confirmation. We don't hear what we think would be God's indication or God's response. So so uh, they... they um, react to this. Peter tells Jesus, no, you're not doing that. And uh, Jesus says, well, Peter, you're acting like my adversary. You're acting like Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And he says, you can't, you can't get in the way of the things of God with your earthly purposes. So, so Jesus says, no, this is really what I think God is calling me to do. And Peter's going, well, it doesn't make any sense to me. And what's very instructive here is it says six days later, Jesus arranged this spiritual retreat for Peter and James and John. So uh, why why these three? Well, probably because Peter was confused. Peter had questions. Um, and we know uh, later on in Matthew's uh, biography of Jesus in chapter 20, we know James and John have still got ideas uh, that are confused about Jesus um, because they, they're lobbying for positions in his cabinet. And so it could be that they're teacher's pets and Jesus wants to give them this special experience. But it could also be that they're kind of the slow learners of the group and so Jesus wants to give them an extra chance to figure out what he was saying earlier. So whatever reason it is, Jesus says, you three, come with me, we're going to climb up this mountain. So they climb up the mountain, and as they're climbing up the mountain, they have to be thinking about the way that historically, in the scriptures, God has spoken to his people from a mountain. And they're thinking, if only God would speak to me that way. I would love to hear, I would love to hear from God like God spoke to Moses. It would be great if God would only help me understand what's going on here. But as they as they continue walking up the mountain, they think, you know, well, really, you know, now that I think about it, Mount Sinai 
that was, that was okay for Moses, but his hair turned white and everybody else was terrified. Everybody else heard the voice of God and they said, okay, we now know it's possible to, to hear the voice of God and live, but I don't want to ever go through that again. So Moses, you're elected. You go up the mountain. You listen to God. We will stay down here. God will not talk to us anymore. We're fine with that. And you come down and tell us what God had to say. They say, uh, the Mount Sinai experience, the, the things that I was talking to Pastor Jim about, the, the, the fire and the smoke and the, the earthquakes and the thunder, they say, no more. Don't want any more of that. Thank you very much. And so the disciples are thinking, well, maybe that's not what I want. Maybe, maybe I don't want Mount Sinai. But there's a different example. As, as, as they're familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, they're thinking, there's another story about a guy who went up a mountain and heard from God. Um, it would be great maybe if we could have the kind of experience Elijah had on Mount Horeb. Now, Mount Horeb uh, is, is a different mountain, or, or maybe it's not. Scholars argue about whether Mount Sinai and Horeb are the same thing. Um, they're both in the Sinai Peninsula somewhere. And Elijah was a great prophet. He had heard... He had, he, had, he had heard the word of God. He had spoken the word of God. He'd done great miracles in God's name. But he became depressed because God wasn't doing anything to solve the fundamental problems of Israel. So he's going, well, I just give up. I've had enough of being your prophet. And he goes out into the desert to die. He says, I, that's it. I'm done. And when he's in the desert, an angel comes to him and says, eat some food, strengthen yourself for the journey, head for Horeb. So he goes to Horeb. And he goes up the mountain of Horeb. And when he goes up to the mountain, he's thinking, God's going to talk to me. And God says, go out in the mountain and you will hear from me. And then he gets the whole light show, just like at, just like at Sinai. He gets the thunder and the, the earthquakes. What does it say? It says, um, it says, now there was a great wind so strong it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And it was only after all this theatrics, all, all this uh, big show of, of great compelling things, like at Sinai, that at Horeb, Elijah heard from God. It was in the silence that followed. It was in the sound of sheer silence that Elijah heard from God. So the disciples, as they're walking up the mountain, and they're thinking, gee, I wonder which would be better. Uh, I could have the Sinai experience, which is terrifying, but unambiguous. It's as plain as a punch in the nose, right? You can't miss that. But on the other hand, you don't, you don't have a heart attack experiencing the Mount Horeb experience. So I'm not sure. The problem with that is sheer silence, you know, is it, are you convinced? Are you sure that you, you know, you really heard it right? You know, which would I prefer? So they're, they're walking up to them. I know they're not expecting either one. They know from the scriptures, this is very rare. God very rarely speaks to people. Hardly anybody has the experience of hearing from God. But they've got to be rolling it around in their head saying, I would sure love to hear God straighten out either me or straighten out Jesus because one of us has to be confused here. And so they're thinking, they're thinking, it would be great to hear from God. I'm just not sure which one I want. And I don't know what you think. Uh, you know, I've debated this in my own head. Which would I like? I, I, 20 years ago, I wanted the, the Mount Sinai experience. But now I'm not sure if maybe I might want the Mount Horeb experience. But I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. And they would have had to guess uh, which one 
as they're walking up this mountain. But what happens, of course, is they get something totally different. They get a new experience of God. They get a third type of mountaintop experience. What they get is what we read about. The six days later, they went up the mountain, and Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Now, what this is, is, again, because the disciples are familiar with the Hebrew Scriptures in a way that none of us are. We just don't, our, our minds don't go there, you know, unless you have a concordance in your mind. But what they think is they think, I've heard this language before. I've seen this story. And what it is, is it's straight out of the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, um, we have a, a, a couple of verses here. It says, As I watched, thrones were set in place, and an ancient one took his throne. His clothing was as white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. This is the language that is used to describe God in the Old Testament. It is it is the language of this ancient figure. And Jesus becomes this ancient figure with the, the white beard and the, the white clothes. Jesus is suddenly transfigured to have the appearance of God. And yet at the same time, Jesus also has the appearance of a man. I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven, and he came to the ancient one and was presented before him. And Peter, well, all the disciples certainly, but Peter is the one who speaks up. They're thinking, I don't know how I rated being in Daniel's vision. I've read about it since I was a kid, um, and I don't know how I wound up here, but the best I can do is at least look busy. So Peter says, Jesus, it's great, we're here, let me build some some uh, booths here. And while he's speaking, a voice comes from the cloud. Peter gets a Mount Sinai experience after all. The voice from the cloud says, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when they hear the voice, just like at Mount Sinai, they do what you do when you hear God that way. They drop to the ground terrified. But Jesus comes to them and touches them and says, get up, don't be afraid. And they look up and saw no one except Jesus himself alone. The transfiguration tells us there is a third way that we experience God. The way we experience God speaking into our life, speaking into our circumstances. There is the Mount Sinai way, which some people report having those sort of experiences. There's the Mount Horeb way, where God comes as a, as a sheer small voice or a sheer silence. And, and people, people report that. But what the scriptures tell us is there is a third way. There is the common way. There's the way most of us experience God speaking to our circumstances, and that is by listening to Jesus. So, what do we do with this? Well, the first thing, the first thing is that if we have questions, we should listen to Jesus, because Jesus has answers. If we're wondering about our finances, or about our health, or about that relationship we're not sure what to do with, listen to Jesus. Because Jesus has answers. But I think there's more here. Uh, there's one lesson right here in this text that's very clear. If you have hidden, if you have hidden because you're not sure what God is thinking about you, and you don't know what God would do with you, and so you've hidden, the answer is get up, don't be afraid. That's the first thing Jesus says. Get up, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because he came to fix your relationship with God, to, to connect you back to your Heavenly Father. Don't be afraid. Get up. Don't be afraid because He came to take whatever punishment you dread. Because of that thing you did 
or the way you acted or whatever it is that's on your heart, Jesus came to take whatever punishment God would pour out on that. Don't be afraid. Get up. Because Jesus is ready to jump into your life and begin fixing what's broken and healing everything that hurts. Don't be afraid. Get up. There's one more lesson. It's that God's okay with questions. God's okay with the questions Peter and the other disciples would have had about what's going on with Jesus and the Son of Man and and dying and all that other stuff. God was okay with that question. God was okay with the questions that I had for Pastor Jim. And and God's okay with the questions you've got. If you've got questions that are keeping you from leaning your life against Jesus, God's okay with that. You can answer, you can get answers to those questions by listening to Jesus. He will answer your questions just as he answered mine. And and I hope that, that you have experienced at this church, and, and really at any church, but particularly at this church, that it is okay. This is a safe place to have questions. If you haven't got it all figured out, um, or there's a piece of it that you'd like to understand better, no one is going to judge you because you don't have it figured out. If Peter can have questions, if I can have questions, so can you. And so listen to Jesus. There's a lot of ways you can do that. But I'm thinking, you know, this is, uh, we're coming up on Lent. Ash Wednesday is, is, uh, this week. That's the beginning of Lent. And, and we'll spend 40 days, uh, in, in a time of repentance and a reflection, thinking about our lives and, and, and our Savior. And if you grew up in church, you probably heard the, the phrase, giving up something for Lent. You know, I gave up ice cream for Lent or, or I gave up smoking or whatever it is. People will talk about in that language. Let me encourage you to give up not knowing what God is speaking into your life. Spend some time this Lent listening to Jesus. There's 40, 40 days in Lent, not counting the Sundays. The 40 days in Lent. And I was thinking, there's 24 chapters in Luke's biography of, of Jesus and 16 chapters in Mark's biography of Jesus. So that's one chapter a day. If you, if you look at those two biographies, Luke and Mark, you can hear a chapter, about a page of, of, of what Jesus has to say um, with his words and with the actions that, that uh, back up his words. You can hear that during the course of Lent. You can hear them fresh and actually get answers to the questions you've got. So maybe in Lent, instead of, instead of giving something up, maybe you should take up something. You should take up reading the scriptures to listen for Jesus. We have uh, several Bible studies here. There's two on Sundays and there's uh, uh, two on Tuesdays and there's another one Sunday nights uh, as soon as our inquirer's class gets in. But you can do this by yourself. You can do it with a friend. You can do it with someone else or by yourself. But take up not waiting. Take up, uh, give up not knowing what it is that Jesus would speak to you. Ask God to speak Jesus into your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the transfiguration, you show us that you do speak, not just through light shows and not just through silence, but through the words and actions of our Savior. So we pray, Lord, you'd give us eyes to see him at work in the world and the testimony that bears witness to him in Scripture. We pray that you would let us see how what he says and what he does answers our questions. We pray these things in his name. Amen.